You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. It's your host, Daryl, and I'm really happy today and, and thankful to be joined by Christina Summers. Uh, Christina Summers serves as a regional sales manager for Roku Canada, where she oversees sales and audience development for its advertising business. In her role, Christina helps drive successful strategies and measurable results for brand campaigns and content partners on the Roku platform. She brings 15 plus years of combined technology and telecom industry experience, wow, across digital and advertising and sales. And a really fun fact is Christina had two peacocks as pets growing up. Welcome, Christina. Uh, I'm really happy to have you here and have you teach me and our audience a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and and Roku. Welcome. Thanks, Daryl. Happy to be here. I would love for our audience to understand a little bit more about you, how you got to where you are, what your journey has been. So can you maybe share how did you get into marketing? What's your origin story? Yeah, so my origin story, I think is probably like a lot of people where we went to school for one thing and then we landed in something completely different. So when I left university, I thought I was going into hospitality. I thought that's what I would be doing. I took a program that was called HAFA, which is funny because my parents still think I got half a degree, but it stands for a hotel (laughs) and food administration. And so when I left, I thought that I was going to go into that business. So my first job I landed in from a media perspective was with Canwest Global, which is now Chorus. And so I joined uh, what at the time was called New Media. So they didn't know what digital was back then. And so uh, specialty television and product integration and digital was all rolled up under this brand called New Media. So that is what I joined. It was kind of the early days of digital and I was very lucky to get into that. So a lot of times throughout my career, it's been timing and luck that has got me a lot of the different places and just the willingness to go and try and something different. So I bounced around at the broadcasters in their digital uh, departments for a while. I then switched if I wanted to stay in the digital space to purely digital companies. So I worked at a couple big players like Microsoft. I did a stint on the programmatic side of things. And then Roku was where I landed um, and it kind of brings my two worlds together. So it takes my broadcast world, although I was always digital within those broadcast teams, and then it brings a pure play digital into this space. And so it, it brings them together. So that's the world that I'm currently in. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Um, what, what, uh, when you back it up a little bit, what uh, drove you to kind of make that switch from, um, you know, as you said, the best of both worlds, from broadcasting uh, to, uh, I guess, programmatic, or vice versa? Uh, yeah. So when I was at the broadcasters, digital was really on the rise. So I started, uh, I could go back far enough where digital used to be thrown in as free as added value with your broadcast campaign. And so what we used to have to fight, <laughs> fight for our <laughs> dollars and get things segmented out. And so the world moved forward and digital became a much bigger place as to what was happening within the, the marketing and media mix overall. And so I wanted to stay within digital and be more relevant to what was taking place, which is why I made the the decision to move to digital focused companies. So ones who were on the cutting edge, ones who were doing things like programmatic and ad networks and things like that early in those days to both learn about the different buying models, to learn about how campaigns could Mm -hmm. be delivered, the differences between the different media and how you could optimize that. And so that's the reason that I went there. 
Streaming for me was um, a very easy transition. Mm -hmm. I haven't had linear cable for, I don't even want to count for how many years. Um, I've, I used <laughs> to have a rabbit ears in my condo when I first moved to Toronto. So I never even had cable back then. So I used to try to position my television so it looked at the CN Tower because that's where I told I was told the radio signal was. Oh my goodness. And so streaming for me has been easy. So back in the days when it was uh, pirated and people were trying to find content and you know that whole space developed and now to the world where everything is a subscription or advertising based and so it's just come a long way. So for me it's a, a perfect fit. Thanks for sharing. I often joke with my wife about the amount of streaming services that we now have have far surpassed what our cable cost used to be. <laughs> how many? How many? This is a, a stat that we have in some of our research. We ask people how many subscription and how many ad supported channels they watch. If you include Sportsnet, seven. Oh my goodness, you are. You're on the high end. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. So mo most people say four, so they usually have three subscription services and then they tend to supplement that with other types of content depending on where they're getting it and which services. Four, okay. I'm gonna challenge our audience listening right now to count on their fingers how much they have, but I don't feel too good about myself right now. Thank you, Christina. Um. <laughs> if, if it makes you feel better, I surpass you. So we, we subscribe to almost everything working within this space. So we're working with our content partners all the time. So I'm in and out of channels all the time. So not to worry, there's still someone who has more than you. It does make me feel a little bit better because I probably uh, can't write it off. <laughs> <laughs> Differences, that's true. Yeah, well... I would love to hear about, you know, what what does Roku do and can you share, uh, tell, tell myself and the audience a little bit more about what Roku offers brands? Yeah, so fundamentally Roku is a hardware software company. So we create devices that you can attach to a television. So whether that's an older television that's not a smart TV or whether it's a newer one and you just maybe don't like the operating system and you prefer the Roku operating system. Mm -hmm. So our operating system is the connective tissue that makes everything consistent for the platform. So we both sell these devices that consumers can purchase and attach to their television. Mm. We also license our operating system to TV manufacturers so that they can go to market faster with a smart TV. So again, regardless of which type of experience you have at home, it's about providing choice for consumers at a reasonable cost. And it's about providing our content partners with a platform that they can distribute their content on. Got it. Uh, well, Christina, could you maybe take our, our myself and our listeners back a little bit and, and tell us about Roku's origin story and how it came to be? Yeah, happy to. So Anthony Wood is our current CEO and founder of Roku. He got started with early days and roots at Netflix and created one of the first ever streaming devices. So Netflix decided to stay on the content side of the equation. Anthony took the company and turned it into Roku. So fun fact is that Roku is actually six in Japanese. So it's the sixth company that Anthony has created, launched and started. And so he continues to stay with us and steer the ship when it comes to Roku. That begs the question, what's five and what's seven? <laughs> <laughs> well, ho hopefully he's going to stay at six and stay with us. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I, I've seen quite a, a, a big conversation within this space happen recently between uh, advertising-based video on demand services and streaming. Um, I would love to understand, you know, from your perspective, um, where do you, uh, what is this type of marketing um, when it comes to advertising and what is causing its rise? 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are happening, both as the TV streaming space evolves and just as world events unfold. So to, to give the viewers um, some context in case they're not as familiar with the space. So SVOD is a term that you'll hear quite a bit within this space. So it stands for subscription video on demand. So again, if we think of Netflix, you pay for a service and you get content in return. And so that is the traditional way and the standard way that streaming kind of got started and Netflix being an originator in that space. The new space that's growing and we're starting to see a lot of growth in both streaming hours that consumers are, are watching as well as content that's coming to the space is within the AVOD space. So mm -hmm. AVOD stands for Advertising Video On Demand. Mm -hmm. So this is free content in return for light advertising. For those of us at Roku, we um, run about 50% of the ad load that you would get from a traditional linear television experience. So the trade-off for consumers is that you're still getting advertising just like you would and that you're used to. You're just getting less in order to consume the content. So the rise that we're seeing in ad-supported is coming from a few factors. One of them is just costs. I mean, earlier we were talking about how many subscription services we have and things like that. And so it does, it gets expensive. Mm -hmm. And so what people can do is they can supplement their viewing with the ad-supported channels that are out there. And so we run advertising in order to monetize that and then provide the content to consumers to enjoy at home. Got it. Um, I noticed uh, in my quick research I did for this that Roku just recently launched something called OneView. Um, I understand that that's your ad platform built for TV streaming. Uh, can you maybe tell me more about OneView and what opportunities it provides uniquely for brands on the platform? Sure. So um, I tried to bake this down into as short as possible because it gets a little complicated, but OneView is the ad buying platform built for TV streaming. So it offers brands and agencies first-party identity data to help them plan to buy and measure more effectively for their advertising campaigns that they're putting into market. Simply put, uh, OneView is a DSP and it's a TV streaming first DSP. So it's in the programmatic space and the automated world of buying and transacting media. So it allows advertisers to manage uh, their media across both connected TV, so what Roku offers, as well as um, other media out in the landscape. So if you have smartphone, desktop, uh, digital out of home, audio, et cetera, it brings all media planning and buying into one platform. That's actually right up my alley. So to me, that was crystal clear. Um, <laughs> appreciate the answer there. Um, I'd love to take a step back from, from your position at Roku now and just be able to look through uh, the lens that you have um, working in this space and, and, and seeing the rise uh, of streaming, of on-demand, and, and just your, your background in marketing and sales in general. Um, based on the kind of brands that you follow outside of where you work, what are you starting to see when it comes to trends, when it comes to marketing? Yeah, I think it's it's been an interesting world, to put it mildly. We've all been living uh, the last two years in this pandemic world, and hopefully we're soon to come out of it and we can enjoy a summer uh, for everyone across the board. And so I think marketers and brands really need to look at things differently. From a TV streaming space, we've seen an acceleration. So we were seeing people shift into TV streaming already. So that was naturally occurring. For us though, it just put things into hyper overdrive. Mm. So you're locked at home, we're asked not to go anywhere. We're looking for ways to either stay informed with what's happening or we're looking to kind of tap out and just be entertained as far as what's happening within the space. Mm -hmm. So for us specifically on the streaming side, we saw just an acceleration of a natural trend that was happening already. But what I think it does is it gives people the opportunity to look at things differently. So traditional media and ways in which they might have done things, 
in some cases could have been turned on their head. And so it's about the new platforms that are coming out. So TV streaming, we talk about it still being new and things like that. For some of us, it's been around for quite some time. But I think what we find that what's new today will be every day tomorrow. And so we just constantly need to be um, looking and evolving and working towards the new platforms that are out there. I would love to uh, I would love to to ask a question around what you saw within this space. Obviously, you know, COVID hit and we all got super desperate for content. Um, couldn't leave the house, had to watch series that we never thought we would watch. I won't name I won't name some of them because they're on your competitors, but you you know, you know which ones <laughs> I'm talking about. Um, what did you see for data around um, consumption habits? Like how could, could you share? Are you allowed to kind of share what you what you saw around some of those staggering numbers? Yeah, if, if you could see me, I, I would show with my fingers, but the, the best way to describe it is an explosion of mm. streaming hours. So we do, we have charts and we can kind of see what total streaming hours look like on Roku, but we'll describe it as hockey stick because everyone knows that. So there was a nice traditional trend that was happening with streaming already. And you kind of just take that stick and just point it higher to the sky. And so it really <laughs> did, There there is a almost to a date uh, which is when the lockdown happened in March and that correlation just starts to skyrocket. And so from an overall trend perspective, that's what we saw across the board. Now, again, we can get into types of content and how some of the content partners shifted. I think the theaters did a really good job with that. Um, there was some news around one of the first studios, I believe it was Universal for Trolls World Tour. They had a big launch that was coming out. It was meant to be a theatrical release. And so they started to introduce even this new term where acronyms heavy in our world where it's called PVOD, which is premium video on demand. And so they made it available at home for rental. It's not the same as going to the theater, but you still got new content. And so it was a way for them to monetize content that they had, knowing, again, that we're we're in a strange world and people aren't going to change. And at the beginning of the pandemic, it didn't look like we were going to be able to do anything anytime soon. So those types of brands that make those adjustments as they're mm -hmm. going and have created something that's new and something that's been evolving ever since that first one rolled out. And did you see a type, you kind of lightly touched on there, but now I'm very curious. Did you see a type of content that was doing, that saw the hockey stick more than other ones? Like where, where audiences, I guess audience naturally gravitate to interest them, but was there something that was surprising that you saw that was a type of content that because of that explosion got so many more eyes on that grew faster than the rest? Yeah, I wouldn't say like to, a, to call out like a specific title or anything. The two big trends were one was news. So anytime there was an update, um, you know, anything that was happening that people wanted to stay informed about, mm -hmm. that was one where we would see a significant amount of traffic head to those types of channels and providers. The other is on the ent entertainment side, but that's a large portion of channels that are available. And so people are looking for all types of content across the board. But I think what one of the biggest ones is, is catching up on a lot of content. So people going back and re-watching series because you watched all the new content because we're watching so much content these days. So you're catching up on seasons of, you know, whether it's Breaking Bad or Lost or some of those series that both have a lot of seasons. There's a lot of time and you can kind of sit down together as a, a family, friends, et cetera, and enjoy those types of content. So I would say the catch up was um, a big factor that we saw throughout this. Or the 15th time I've watched The Office from start to back. 
There you go. So yeah. you're a perfect candidate as well. So yeah, we've all seen a lot of the content and that's what we find um, at supported content is great for. People tend to rewatch the things that they've loved or that they grew up with. And especially as some of our content providers start to bring back back catalogs of things that are very mm -hmm. difficult to find, mm -hmm. you see people tune into those. So that's exciting. Yeah, I think Seinfeld just came out too on Netflix for the first time. That one was quite interesting. Yeah, I remember when Friends first hit, there was a significant chatter around Friends coming out and everybody remembering watching them go through their life stages on screen as we did as people as well. So that was a big one as well. Yeah, it's so cool to think about how um, people, I mean, maybe cool is not the right word. Concerning might be a better word for it, but how people <laughs> binge watch shows. I, you know, thank God some of the uh, streaming services now release weekly episodes instead of like you know we hit january 1st and all 12 one hour long episodes come out at the same time of the show you've been waiting for so you basically just lock yourself in a room um <laughs> it's they're, so they're metering us yeah it's so interesting to think about how about how this is how people's consumption habits have changed because of streaming services it's so cool brain fog insomnia moodiness weight gain Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um... I would love to get your insight on something else in terms of like uh, that type of advertising that you see working through the platform, through your platform. And so what kind of what kind of advice or what is a big piece of advice that you can provide to brands today? Uh, I mean, the, the biggest one that I can provide is is test and try. So if you're new to the TV streaming space and you're not running ads to date within connected TV and the different platforms that are available, I suggest you get in there. The, the sooner the better. You wanna go where your audiences are going. And we've certainly showcased throughout this, not only our own personal connections, but companies um, entering the Canadian marketplace where we're seeing new companies come to Canada. And um, that, that's what they're focused on. 
And so marketers are going to want to move their dollars to speak to the audiences who are consuming that type of content. So my biggest piece of advice is test and try. If you have your agencies, lean on them for their expertise. Uh, we are always available at the, mm -hmm. the partners themselves. So reach out and we'll happily educate you on all the options that are available. I'd love to uh, I'd love to actually follow up on that and like what kind of uh, can you maybe share a little bit about the uh, support that uh, you and your team offer to brands when it comes to utilizing your platform for advertising you kind of lightly touched on that there but I would love to hear more yeah we're a full service team here so you'll have a, a sales team to help you make decisioning around the different types of advertising products that are available for us at Roku we have some different uh, pillars that have different products that work really well so for our channel partners, for example, we have products that specifically suit them to help drive installs, viewership, engagement in their channels. And so we have a specific suite of products that will help with them. Uh, we do new products, so we do branded experiences. So looking to curate content, create a unique experience, basically create an event out of different content that's available. And so we do a lot of branded experiences. And then there's the, the bread and butter of just your video advertising within the ad supported channels that you'd like. So if someone, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say that that event, that taking a bunch of digital products and creating an event, can you maybe share more about that? That's really interesting. What would yeah, this event we, look like? Uh, that is where the customization of what we do comes into play. So we will curate and thematically align the content based upon what brands are trying to do. So if brands wanted to do something big around um, Canada Day, it's upcoming, um, personally a favorite season for me. Um, so if they wanted to align with Canadian content producers or movies that were filmed in Canada or different thematic things, we can bring that together and curate so cool. that into yeah something that they, they can create. So we work with the brands to develop something that's going to work based upon uh, their KPIs, so their goals for the campaign that they have, as well as their different creative um, products and brands that they're putting into market. I love it. So just helping them with a, with a campaign um, and thinking kind of outside the box for how to combine some of the, uh, the products and services you guys have to be able to make it speak to one topic better for that audience. That's great. Absolutely. And we have a team that will support with that. So not only sales, so we have the account management team who's gonna see it through, who do your reporting, your analytics. We've got measurement solutions, um, and then we've got creative in-house services as well. So trying to make it very easy for brands to come to the TV, TV streaming space. That's great. Well, um, I would love to uh, understand, you know, as you move into the remainder of 2022 and 2023, where where are you and uh, Roku heading? What's next? What are the main focuses? Yeah, so uh, there there's a lot. So Roku doesn't talk too much about forward, uh, but if we look at some of the things that we've done, so one for us is international expansion. So I'm very excited nice. to be part of the international team. Um, international really just being uh, non-US. So that's where the company got started and they have a very healthy business and footprint there. So we want to model that and take that to other markets as well. So I was very fortunate to join Roku when they were looking to do that within Canada. Mm -hmm. And so entering other markets is an important piece for us. So not that long ago, we launched our um, entry into the German marketplace. So that's been our most recent oh, nice. market today. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. 
Um, as far as what else is coming though, um, so that that's one of them is entering markets. It's going to be then staffing. So we have a mantra internally where we say um, scale, monetize, engage. And so that's what we're looking to. We're looking to get our products so consumers can buy the devices or the TVs to get them into their homes and in front of the television. We then want to onboard our content partners to make sure that they have a variety of choice as far as what mm -hmm. they can watch. Um, and local is very important as you talk about international. And then we place the sales team in order to work with the brands to monetize and create opportunities for them on platform. So international expansion is huge, um, a big one for us as well. So we have our own channel on Roku called the Roku channel. And so adding content to your point about finding new things, finding those gems of content that are out there. So that's a focus for us as well. So we've been investing heavily in that particular channel and we have some new announcements on the new side, uh, Roku Originals that I was talking about at the beginning with Most Dangerous Game. So we have a whole slate of new series and programs and shows that are gonna be coming out this year. So lots more to come on that front. Thanks for sharing. How about how about you, Christina? What's what's on your docket for to do in this year in 2022? What's what's something you want to get done this year outside right. of outside of Roku? I really hope I get to take a vacation. <laughs> we've, we've been <laughs> locked down for so long. I'm really hoping I don't have to, you know, get any type of a test and that I can get on a plane and I can go out and, and see the rest of the world. I've, I'm feeling a little itchy from being at home for a little too long. So I'm hoping I get to get out and see the world. Any specific, any specific city or country you're hoping to get to? I always have a rotating list of about 10 different places uh. that I want to go. And so I try to cross them off the list as I go. Um, so, so we'll see, it'll be, depend on time of year. So summer versus winter and where I'm going to go, but I really wanted to do the hike of Machu Picchu for a really long time. And so maybe this will be the year we've been locked down a little too long. So a little great outdoors and a little hiking is good for the soul. Yeah. Machu Picchu. That's not a, that's, that's not a grouse grind for our BC listeners. That's not an easy climb right there. <laughs> um, well, I would love to uh, move into the rapid fire question round, if you don't mind. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, awesome. No wrong answers from the gut. Great opportunity for our, for our viewers to uh, resonate with you outside of what you do for work. But yeah, we'll just kick right off. You can take as long as you want to answer. You can one word answers, one sentence answers, one paragraph answers. And uh, as you shared with me, if you do get in too much into farm animals, I'll cut you off for the next question. <laughs> fair, fair. All right, all right. First question is, what was your first job? Under the table, uh, legit, doesn't matter. Uh, so, so this one, we're, we're going back to the farm. So when we were young, my dad gave my sisters and I the job of picking milkweeds, which is a plant that's a, a weed in his fields. And so we would get a scent of weed. So we would do them in piles of 25. He would come along and count them and we would get a scent of milkweed. And that was my very first job. Genius. So I'm <laughs> going to interrupt my own rapid fire question around, but have you heard about that app? That uh, is that has come out. Oh, I forgot what it's called, but it's a chores app that parents can list chores on the app. The kids download the app, and then they have dollar amounts attached to the app, so they can like sweep the house. Click, they do it for five bucks, and then it deposits into account for them. No, but that sounds genius. We had early days of that. We just actually got it in cash versus having the app side of things. Yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no documentation of how much the agreed upon amount was. <laughs> no, we, we always had interesting chores on the farm. is a little different, I think, than if you oh, grow up in, in suburbia or Toronto. So ours are a little different. I bet. Okay. Well, um, are you a night owl or an early, early bird? Do you rise up in the mornings or do you work late? 
So I naturally, I'm a night owl, but I am trying to be an early bird. I have realized that from a efficiency of life perspective, the early bird is better. I don't know why, and the earlier I just seem to get more done, whereas at night I tend to just, I'm either out more or I chill out more, whereas in the morning I'm active and ready to go. I'm with you there. I'm, I'm with you in that struggle as well. And I, my theory is the reason why uh, the early bird is more efficient is because all the other early birds peer pressure us night owls to become more efficient <laughs> in the morning. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I never read the, the book that everybody was talking about, the five o'clock club or any of those types of things. But yeah. when I've done it and if I can get consistent, it's two weeks of torture to get there to try and wake up early every single day. But once I do, I'm usually clockwork if I can stay in that. Well, here's to you. Good luck in your pursuit of that. Um, <laughs> I would love to, to hear, you know, what was the last charity you, you decided to support financially or with your own time and why? So we have a bit of a unique one. Um, again, growing up in the, the country in northern Ontario is um, our family is heavily involved in the Volunteer Firefighter Association nice. up there. Good so I don't know if most people know that a lot of smaller communities in rural areas are staffed by people within their community. Mm -hmm. So they're on 24-7 call, they've got a pager, um, my dad's on the fire service, my, one of my sisters is on the fire service, and so you live your life and if the pager goes off then everyone starts to run. So it is really a family affair to send the people who are trained to go help the, the people within our communities, but that, that takes a lot of our time. Do you have to fight the urge to run after fire trucks when they drive by your office in downtown now? No, but I'm always curious why they have to have the sirens going when the lights are green and they can just drive normally, why they have to have the sirens going because it's so loud. <laughs> it's, it's probably for oblivious people like me who have noise canceling headphones reading emails as I cross the road, which I shouldn't do. I need to start changing. <laughs> what's your it, it, it could be. What, what's your favorite movie? Um, so it's really funny when I do presentations about content, for some reason, Twister always comes top nice. of mind and I always nice. use it as my example movie that the the audio that they put in it where it sounds like the tornado is like coming after you like it sounds like it's eating you but from a, a personal perspective i'm probably more on the sci-fi and the, the fantasy genre i went to a tiff pre-screener a long time ago um, one of the night movies that they had and i got introduced to the series underworld so very mm. strange facts about me but if anyone loves the series i am a big fan i'm a massive fan sorry to keep talking about Oh, your answers. You're making me think, though. Underworld is one of my favorite movies as well. Yeah. Kate Beckinsale. I, it was a, a random a random outing that I got to go to and have loved the series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is uh, your favorite app on your phone that you can't live without? Email doesn't count. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I would say just my phone as a whole, but the one that I try to use religiously is Duolingo. So I have wanted nice. to speak a second language my entire life. French, unfortunately, being Canadian, didn't stick with me. So I've been working on Spanish for quite some time. Good luck. Thanks. Um, what is a business or marketing book you could recommend to our audience? So because of the, the background of Roku having roots in Netflix, there was a book that came out, it was called The No Rules Rules, and it was about Netflix and their culture. And so they came out with it where they're kind of approach things differently. It's non-traditional kind of business models and setups and things like that. And so I read it because I was really curious as to how many of 
the things that they introduced in that book as part of Netflix carried forward into the company that I now work for being Roku. So I was curious and there are a lot of thematic like themes that are consistent between the two. And so that's the most recent one. Cool. Two questions left. I want to be respectful of your time. One is a life hack. Can you share a life hack with our listeners? So I, I, I don't know that I have a life hack that's all that revolutionary. Um, I've done ones where I, I roll my clothes when I travel because I can fit more in my suitcase. I paint um, with different nail polishes at home my different keys because I've got far too many on my keychain. That is and so, very useful right there. That just blew my mind. Yeah, well, and it's it doesn't come off because it gets in the nitty gritty of the key, and so even if it you know use it a lot, so I use that one a lot, and then not so much life hack, but I'm very MacGyver, and I don't know again if this is having grown up, but I can I can usually make things go where I can come up with some sort of a solution at the time. It's not usually pretty, and it doesn't always look nice from the outside, but, but I can make works. things go. That's right. Nice. Well, Christine, thank you so much for uh, for your time. Um, Definitely appreciate how busy you are and, and you taking the time out of your schedule to speak to myself and teach me and uh, the rest of our listeners about what you do, about Roku, about some of the exciting aspects of streaming. Really appreciate uh, all of your answers and, and again, giving us that little sneak peek into your, your window for what you do professionally. So uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being on Marketing News Canada and uh, hopefully speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.